the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back, everybody. Glad to be here on a Saturday. Actually, uh, pretty glad to be anywhere this Saturday. <laughs> I've got with me uh, Terry Ehrman, right? Ben. I'm sorry, Baird. That's Terry's your mom. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he's with uh, Ehrman Financial. And uh, you want to give your uh, website out? Yeah, it's ehrmanfinancialfreedom.com with the crazy times. Everything's online right now, so you can go there, check it out. And, uh, yep, I wanted to have him in today because he, he does a very important thing. He's actually a, a professional, um, I'm going to call it, this, this, these are my terms, not his, but a, a professional budgeter. <laughs> <laughs> and he can help you uh, put together a budget. We're going to uh, talk to him a little bit later in today's show about all the different things you can do today to kind of keep track of where you're going. I know if you're keeping track of your investments right now, you're probably, you've got the blues. Uh, understand completely, you know, this is something that has never really happened. Well, actually, I take it back. It has happened before. In the early 1900s, there was a Spanish flu, and and, uh, that was devastating. And this is nowhere near the level that 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 was. But, you know, now we got 330 million people. So things can spread a little faster, a little easier. And uh, I know everybody's concerned about it. I'll look at what the uh, stock market's reaction has been to this. It's actually as if uh, 2019 never really happened because it's uh, right where it, it began the year in 2019. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that scares everybody is that it happened so quickly, you know, and, and rightly so. You know, it's, it's pretty spooky when something happens that quickly. And uh, so I just wanted to touch on actually quite a few things. Uh, what is the right thing to do right now? What are we planning to do? And uh, what do people out there, what should you be doing? My personal opinion is if you didn't already know what you were going to do in an environment like this, then you just you weren't prepared. You just weren't prepared. And that's okay. It, it's It's not too late. Actually, I think the valuations on stocks are so low. In other words, stocks are selling so low relative to what they would normally sell for that if you were to start to buy right now, I don't think that's a bad idea. I really don't. And we'll talk a little bit more about that again as the show progresses. But I really wanted to kind of start out today saying that if you're upset with your investments right now 
It's because you really didn't have a clear understanding of the risk that you were taking. And I know everybody's going, well, well yeah. <laughs> but this is what I want you to think about. If you didn't know that your stock portfolios could drop as much as they have in the last few weeks, you weren't being prepared. You, nobody's studied history. And, and I understand there's a lot of information out there that goes contrary to this. And a lot of it's put out by some pretty big financial institutions who are afraid that if they uh, really expose all the facts, that you wouldn't invest. And it's been my opinion that you need to know those facts because they're facts. And when they show up, you're going to be pulling out your money out in a panic and it's going to be incredibly difficult for you to make that money back one day. Nobody can tell you what's going to happen ahead of time in the stock market. Well, actually, there are two, there are two classes of people that can tell you what will happen, the lucky and the liars. And the lucky, by the way, sooner or later, their luck is going to run out. It's just going to happen. And uh, uh, there are a lot of people that will tell you, oh, I did this. And I, you know, don't listen to them. You know, it's just it, it's not conducive to keeping a good mindset, which is very important in times like these. You got to keep a good mindset. Remember 2008, 2009? It actually started in, in 2007. If you looked at small mid cap stocks, they were already in a big downward trend. But by the time the S&P 500 started, those are the big boys. By the time they started to roll over and 18 months later, when that was bottoming and when the, the stocks that started to, uh, that were in a short-term uptrend actually overtook those stocks that were still in a downtrend, the uh, uh, market was down 57% and the S&P hadn't bottomed until that point in time. Actually, the uh, small mid-cap stocks turned up and started heading up before they did. But my point to that whole thing was, if you didn't know that that had the potential to happen, you had to be incredibly upset. Why wouldn't you know that that had the potential to happen? Because not everybody discloses everything all the time. Now, there are a lot of good firms that do. A lot of good firms. In fact, Peter Lynch worked for Fidelity. I remember reading this book back in the late 1980s where he said, if you couldn't stand to see the value of your stocks drop by 50% or more, don't buy stocks. Now, this is the, he's the greatest mutual fund manager that's ever lived, by the way. Nobody's ever tra- nobody's ever beaten his track record, and he's telling you <laughs> if you couldn't st- stand to see the value of your stocks drop by fifty percent or more, don't buy stocks. I'm like, well, what? So I run to my manager, and I know a lot of you are probably try- tired of hearing this story, but I'm going to tell it again anyway. <laughs> I was a young broker, and I run to my manager. And I go, is that true? He goes, oh no, 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 don't worry about that. He was he was afraid that I wouldn't be able to sell anything. <laughs> And then it wasn't that long after that that Warren Buffett said the exact same thing. And I'm looking at it, well, wait a minute. This guy is the most single most successful investor that's ever lived. Wasn't a mutual fund manager. There's a difference. Big difference, by the way. But the uh, So here's the, the world's number one mutual fund manager and then the world's number one investor both saying the same thing. And I'm going, well, there, there must be something to that. Back in those days, you know, and this was pre-internet. Al Gore hadn't invented it yet. The uh, pre-internet days, we had to look things up in books. If you remember what those are. <laughs> you 
And uh, so I did a lot of research and I was going, wow, those guys are right. Oh my gosh, you're telling the truth. The uh, market can drop 50% or more and it's normal. It's absolutely normal. Yeah. Why are not, why are more people not telling you that? Because they're afraid that you won't invest. That's a, that's a bad idea. And I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because that would be a, a mild reason for them not, not to tell you. And I, I just don't run my practice that way. At Bullington Capital, our risk questionnaire asks you, how much fluctuation in your account do you think you can stand? Oh, do you think you would, you could withstand? And I added, you know, without losing sleep at night. Then we put a, together the portfolio that tries to keep you within those guidelines. And, you know, I know everybody uh, struggles with that question, by the way. When I ask them, if your portfolio is down by 15%, are you losing sleep? They look at me and they're like, mm, I don't know. Should I be? <laughs> And they don't understand that it's not my question. It's the question I'm asking you. And, and by the way, my decline tolerance is 40%. 40%. I'm thinking about going to 50 or 60 now because that means I'll uh, be able to take the money out of the short-term bonds that I have and add it to stocks. Stocks are down. A little bit later, I'll talk about a couple individual stocks. And I'm going to talk about... Actually, right now, I'm going to talk about a particular fund. I'm not recommending you buy this fund. I'm telling you about this fund because I like this fund. It's not a recommendation. Listen to my disclaimer because I'm not allowed to make blanket recommendations. But here's why I like it. First of all, uh, it's understandable. I understand how this fund runs. It starts off with stocks from Value Line. Value Line is a stock rating service. It's been around for, oh, it's probably twice as long as I've been alive. It twice as long or maybe about 150% of that. Anyway, it's been around a long time. And they rank stocks for safety. Basically, how much debt do they have? How profitable are the companies? That's typically what they're looking at. So they take that, um, they give their number one and number two rankings. And this fund starts off with just those stocks and then it eliminates every stock that's below a billion dollars. Why would somebody do that? Well, I can tell you why. Because to get to a billion dollars, you have to have some things going on. You don't get to a billion dollars by being a knucklehead. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. So you get to a billion dollars in uh, market value. I, well, you could, by the way. That's actually one of the reasons that they use the uh, uh, safety rankings first. They take the safest stocks. Then they're taking the stocks above a billion dollars. And then they're ranking them by dividend yield. And they buy the top 50. That's it. That's all there is to that. Rank number one or two. It's above a billion dollars. Rank them by dividend yield top 50. I really like that. I like it a lot. I look at the names inside of that. It's awesome. I look at the current yield. The current yield is right around 3.5%. Well, oh, it's only 3.5%. Yeah, that's because we're concerned with quality. I don't want a company who's borrowing money to pay a dividend. I don't want a company who can't afford the debt on the interest uh, or is selling stock to be able to, to pay the debt on interest that they have. That's not sustainable. And when you get out of the, when you get outside of the companies that are not sustainable, 
uh, the 3.5% dividend yield is actually very good in today's environment. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but interest rates have gone to zero. 3.5% is a lot better than zero. <laughs> and by the way, most of those companies, as they grow, they will raise their dividends over time. And when you look at the, the track record that that's had, it's good. Has it beaten the S&P every year? No, nothing beats the S&P every year. It just doesn't work that way. So, but it's a really good one. These are solid companies. So if, if you'd like to talk to me about that, that's a great idea. Now is the time to talk to your advisors. Now's the time. This is where we earn all of our money to keep you from doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Like trying to run and hide in cash. That's not a good idea. It's never a good idea, by the way. That's why we ask you how much uh, pain can you tolerate before we invest. And then when you're there, we're there to remind you, okay, this, this too will pass. And this is how much you said you'd like to take. Changing it now, probably not the greatest idea. Okay. What I would be doing is I would be waiting for a chance to rebalance a portfolio. You can do it once a year, once every other year. What does rebalancing mean? That means you're going to take the look, take a look at your portfolio. You take a look at that questionnaire that you filled out that said, Hey, look, I think I can take a 30% decline. Mine's 40. I think I can put up with a 40% decline. If I had much more than that, I'd probably start losing sleep. Okay. Since I can take a 40% decline, if I double 40%, that means I could have 80% of my money in stocks. And I'm going to, uh, and I'd be okay. That dropped by half, I'd only be down 40. So I'm going to take my portfolio back to that level. Why am I going to take it back there? What do I mean, what do I mean by that? Well, if the stocks are down now, then I'm no longer, I've, I've got a larger percentage of my money into bonds, in the safe stuff. So if I move the money from the safe stuff over to the stocks, what am I doing? I'm buying stocks when stocks are lower than they were last year or the last time I rebalanced. I'm actually adding money to stocks while they're lower. And then when they go up and I rebalance my portfolio again, I will be taking money from the stocks and moving them over to the safe stuff. In the uh, really fancy terms, you know, the, the money management industry, they call that a balanced fund. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're going back to a balance. They tell you what their balance is going to be. It'll be a 70-30. It'll be a 65-35. It'll be a, a 40-60. They tell you what that is in the prospectus. And then they go back to that. That's what they're going to do. They're going to have a plan. And the plan it is logical. Actually, their plans are built on a lot of experience. Are they easy? Heck no. If this were easy, no, there'd be no career in it. There would be nothing. There would be people just doing all the right things. You would just dial up the exact return you wanted for the fund that you wanted, and there you go. That's how the market would work if the market were efficient. You hear that efficient market theory all the time. Or modern portfolio theory that says markets are efficient. Well, they're not. They're not. They're not efficient. And if they were efficient, there would be no surprises. Everybody would know exactly what's going to happen. They would know exactly what they're going to get. And uh, this is a uh, this is a time when you know everybody, rightly so. You know, you uh, in many cases for your health. I think there there are lots of reasons to fear. I think the fear in the stock market's a little overblown. 
actually, it, it's kind of a lot overblown. When you look at some of the valuations on stocks out there, they're priced as if they are never coming back. I have news for you. People are still eating. They might be eating a little bit less. They're still going to be driving their cars. They're still going to be uh, living in housing. All that stuff's not going to go away. And I, and I understand it's, it's a very scary time. Believe me. Yeah, I understand that completely. But life's going to go on. And when it does, it, it's highly unlikely that stock prices stay as, as low as they are right now. It's highly unlikely. Does that mean it can't get worse? Nope. It can get worse before it gets better. But just go back, look at your allocations. Go through some of the stocks that you have. Go through some of the funds that you have. How are they picked? How, who's managing them? Talk to your advisor about it. That's what, you know, that's actually what we're here for. In good times, it's easy. It's easy. You don't really don't have to do too much. It's these times when you need to talk to somebody, find out, is there anything I should be doing? What are we doing? Let's just review what we're doing. Reviewing is a great thing. It makes you feel better. It really makes you feel better. This is a much, this is as much about emotions as it is logic. Controlling the emotions is really hard when things aren't moving logically. When emotion, when emotions are actually what's ruling the stock market, it's, it's hard to remain emotionless and to rely on your logic. But that's really what you got to do. I think we've got a, a caller. And if you'd like to call, the number is 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. And I've got John. John, you're on the lookout for the, I'm sorry, not lookout for the bull, the Bullington Capital Report. I changed the name a long time ago. Good morning, Bill. Oh, hey, I you want, know what? I, 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 I want to say amen first and then say, sky is not falling. Year 2000, we thought the computer is going to go haywire. We need a computer to find out the number of apps now. Hey, John, oh. I, I got to take a real quick commercial break. I'll hold if you want to hold and then uh, we'll come right back. Is that okay? You're listening. To, okay, you're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned after for these commercial messages. Deep enough to dream in brilliant colors I have never seen. Deep enough to join a billion people. Okay, we're back. Hey, real quick, I just want to give out some resources that you can check online to make yourselves feel a little bit better. Uh, the Cleveland Clinic has set up a special website, or at least some pages on the website, uh, about the coronavirus, and you can get up-to-date testing. There's actually an online um, testing program. You answer a few questions, and it tells you whether or not you should actually go see a doctor. Uh, they're calling it a screening. So if you just go to Google and Google uh, the Cleveland Clinic screening, it'll bring you right there to COVID-19. Uh, so that's very helpful. And, um, boy, they put that up really fast. That's a lot, that was a lot of work to do that. There's another website was sent to me by one of my friends, another investment advisor. His name is Mike Duffy. Thanks, Mike, for sending this over. Uh, it's called Worldometers. W-O-R-L-D-O-M-E-T-E-R-S dot info and then the word coronavirus. And it tells you it's keeping you up to date with the number of active cases, the number of closed cases, 
how many are recovered, how many are, are seriously uh, ill or critical in critical condition versus those that have mild conditions. By the way, currently 96% of the cases are mild, which means uh, only 4% are critical. And so that's a good resource. If you, uh, if you can't write this stuff down, you can always email me and I would be glad to send you these links. Uh, one of the better links that, well, at least I think it's one of the better ones is actually from, uh, the CDC itself, the Center for Disease Control, and it's CDC.gov. And they have a ton of information on there. And reading this stuff, it really helps. It, it helps you kind of get a grip on what is out there, uh, what is being done about it. There are lots of other resources. Actually, just Google. The thing you have to be careful of is there are a lot of resources out there that aren't from trusted sources of information. Uh, and, you know, just because it's on the Internet doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> I'm surprised I have to say that, but the uh, the bottom line is you, you want to try to go to those sources that you feel like you can trust. Center for Disease Control, that's pretty good. And uh, tells you how to protect yourself, what kind of uh, dangers, what kind of risks there are. And uh, I'm telling you, this is going to pass. And people are going to look back one day. They're going to look back and go, man, I wish I would have put some money in the market right around that time period. Um, they're also... Uh, Actually, if you go to, this is Capital Group. This is the home of the American funds. They've got a lot of good stuff on market corrections and uh, how long it takes to recover uh, for whatever kinds of reasons. And, uh, you know, my mother was actually born on December 7th, 1941. Do you know what day that is? That was the day Pearl Harbor was bombed. That was the actual day. (laughs) And imagine... What that would be. Do you know what the stock market's done over that time period? <laughs> it's done tremendously well. In fact, on the uh, Capital Group, their website, it talks about the rolling 10-year average total returns. And it's somewhere north, or a rolling 10-year period would be like 1969 through 79, 70 through 80, uh, 71 through 81, going all the way back to the 1930s. And the, the average is uh, very high, so an average 10-year return. And that's what you got to focus on. You've got to focus out over the next 5 to 10 years because not doing that, it, you're putting your whole portfolio, your whole financial life at risk. If you're not doing that, you are putting your entire financial life at risk. You need to look out long-term. Long-term is more than the next few months. As bad as it seems. And, and if you're uncomfortable, call your advisor and go through what you're doing. Why are you doing it? What are you doing? It, it often, it helps to get reminded of, of what you're doing and why you're doing it that way. And, uh, I've been on the phone nonstop. So it, it's fine. That's what I'm here for. Actually, I, oddly enough, I feel a lot better than I did before all this stuff. <laughs> started happening because I've gone back and I've reviewed it and I see, yeah, you know, the chances are we're going to make it through this and everything's going to be okay. But anyway, I got to go back to uh, John for a second. He was, uh, been patiently waiting. Hey John, you still there? Bill, I have to say amen. And also thank you for preaching capitalism. I have only one more thing to add. That is kids are at home. The parents are there. Maybe they should 
spend a little bit of time at the so-called kitchen table or whatever table they want to, or sit on the floor, I don't care, besides watching Netflix, they could teach fundamentals. Cash may be king, but sometimes compound interest and present value and donor tires the same as contingency planning. We can bring these terms to the street level. I don't mean in a negative sense. We don't teach these things in high school, and we don't know what the rainy day fund. And bottom of the barrel, what is that? I don't know. See, I don't know why we don't teach the kids on capitalism. Oh, I know. They should. They should start teaching. By the time a kid is 12 years old, you and I both know they know percentages, and that's 95% of what you need to know. How do percentages work? And do you have a allowance? We give allowance for cleaning the room or whatever that is. There's a lot of things we can do. You don't need a PhD from Wharton School. Right. Actually, uh... Keep up the good work. That's oh. all I'm going to say. <laughs> Year 2000, everybody said the sky is falling. Computer zero and one. We don't know what to do. Now I need a computer to find out the number of applications. <laughs> yeah. 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 So hope is the, not a four-letter word in my book. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Yeah, I'm uh, really uh, uh, thankful for people out there like him because you know, it keeps everybody else a little bit sane. Uh, it is worrisome, I know. You, you really, and it's hard. I, I don't know. I was. I, I look back to uh, um, which people have done the best over time, and the vast majority of them, they they have very similar outlooks. They they don't panic. Um, they look to the bright side in most cases. It's not that they're ignoring the the downside. Uh, they just know that we can manage. And that's basically what you're doing is managing. And uh, if you got a good handle on that, I think that, that's a big key. Uh, one of the uh, things that I've got um, on the agenda today is looking at, you know, how do you manage? The more you know about your own financial situation, by the way, the, the more relaxed you're going to be. That's why the uh, that's why I don't sound really perplexed or I don't sound frustrated. Yeah, I'm actually oddly enough, you know, I'm a little happy that that prices are as low as they are because I've been taking some of the money out of the bonds, just like we were talking about earlier, and I've been adding it to stocks. And are those things that I just bought down? Yep, they're down. <laughs> One of them's down a lot, <laughs> just in a few days, and I don't really care. I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm just going to keep averaging into that thing. And uh, as long as the financials are, are good and solid and strong, it gets to stay. Yeah. And uh, that's the uh, uh, the challenge of being a, a good investor. It it takes a lot of will, uh, willpower to ignore the price movement and kind of pay attention to value, which is not the same thing as the momentum investing I talk a lot about. That's another story altogether. And uh, those things got stopped out a long time ago, which is fine. I didn't add to them because of something I'll talk about in a minute here. But before I do that, I've got to take a phone call. And uh, this is Herman. Yes. Hello, Bill. How are you? Fantastic. So you're right. Stocks go up, stocks go down. And I'm not so worried about that. But here's what I am worried about. Prepackaged bankruptcies, a la GM in the financial crisis. For example, Boeing's not going anywhere. They're going to make planes, but could they be in bad enough shape, for example, that the government says, we'll give you our money, but it's going to take a prepackaged bankruptcy deal where the equity holders get wiped out. For example, Tyson Chicken, it's got a big haircut. People aren't going to stop eating chicken. 
And even worse, the leisure industry, cruise lines. Sure. Carnival went from like 60-something earlier this year. It's down, down around nine. Right. Um, Norwegian is actually literally, they pulled in their revolving line of credit, and they've started mortgaging their ships. Mm-hmm. So they started mortgaging their assets. Sure. Uh, and, then, and then you have Cedar Fair. That's down around 70%, I think, since earlier this year. Uh, even without the Six Flags boost, it was it was pretty high up there. It's down pretty low. Um, so the question is, how do you figure out who's going to likely have enough cash flow to survive and n- so little debt that they'll survive? Because I think a year from now, two years from now, we'll look in the rearview mirror and everything will be fine, except for those companies that just didn't have enough cash or had too much debt. Right. And see, so you bring up a really good, a, a few really good points here. I don't think as an individual investor, okay, I don't think you're ever going to have access to the data, the real data that's going to make you like, uh, that's going to allow you to make those decisions uh, intelligently. And if you have a normal life, if this is not what you do for a living, you won't have enough time. So I would probably recommend uh, to steer clear of of any company that's got. Uh, a large amount of debt. Well, it's, what's that definition? If it's more than 10% of their equity, just stay away from it. And they, uh, if you don't know what that means, then you shouldn't be invested in individual stocks to begin with. The, uh, so, and I really think that today, especially for the average investor out there, and I'm not talking about the above average investors. I'm talking about the average investor. You should really find a fund kind of like the one I was talking about earlier. The one that's being screened by professionals who do this for a living every day, who are looking for the higher quality companies, and then those companies, because they like this particular style that are paying dividends, and then they equally weight that, what does equal weighting do? Well, it means it puts an equal dollar amount in each one of them. I'm not a huge fan of market cap weighted indexing, uh, despite its popularity, and uh, I think it, a lot of large part, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but... Yeah, I think there are ways to be able to invest uh, without having to give up the rest of your life, especially today. There have been so many good funds created. The The real issue there is there have been a lot of funds that aren't that good that don't have those quality measures built into their algorithms, uh, and they don't have managers there to try to steer away from the stuff that, that might otherwise get in a portfolio like that. So I, I think it's still important that people have a, a really good understanding. And looking at a company like, say, for example, Cedar Fair, that is an incredibly difficult. You have to have a crystal ball that works to figure out what's going to go on there. My gut would tell me they'll probably survive, but I don't know because they have debt. And how long is this actually going? How long is it? Are they going to put a ban on where everybody has to stay in place in the state of Ohio? That, that could be very hurtful to them. How long will it last? There are so many questions that you just cannot know the answers to that I'm, I'm just not a big fan of an individual investor jumping in there as you're, uh, you're swimming with sharks and, and you know, you're kind of out there with a snorkel. <laughs> you can't even stay underwater that long. <laughs> but anyway. You know, another segment that, of course, the whole oil complex has been hammered thanks to Saudi Arabia and Russia yeah. having a little war. And they have a ton of um, debt, too. But the only, one, Fif- at one point, several years ago, Fifteen percent of all the high-yield bonds are held by oil and gas companies. That's a big chunk to come out of one industry. 
Well, I, I believe anybody who's got a lot of money tied up in the exploration side is in real big trouble, and you're going to see a lot of bankruptcies on that side coming up. Okay. But I'm, I'm more interested in, like, the, the midstream pipeline people, uh, like Kinder, Morgan, um, See the all, and that's fine. Are, are you professional? Are you retired now? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So, how many hours a day do you spend uh, reading and looking at financial statements? A couple hours a day. Okay. Well, you're actually very unique, and that that's good. I would not recommend other people try to do what you're doing because they can't spend a couple hours a day and they're not retired. You know what I'm saying? That w- that would be very uh, irresponsible of me to give out those kinds of recommendations. It's great to have opinions. Awesome. And and we all do. But you've oh, got... Oh, I love your opinions, Bill. Oh, well, a lot of people don't like very much at all because I'm like, just grind through it. That, that, that That's my advice. Grind through it. Grit your teeth. We're going we're gonna to do it. We're just going to do it. We're going to close ranks and keep marching. That's what we're going to do. And a lot of my people would like to hear, I can tell you they do, that they do. They, they like what I have to say, especially when the market's going higher and making new highs. Oh, yeah, that's the right way to. And some of those people have been calling and saying, you know, maybe I should just go to cash. And I'm going, no, you haven't listened to anything I've said. You haven't listened to anything. Yeah, I asked you how much of a decline tolerance you have. And that's fine. Uh, you know, I, I get it. You know, you, you need the, the reinforcement. That, yeah, this is the right thing to do unless you know for sure what the future is going to hold. Because the, the, the Dow and the S&P went up 15 minute, in 15 minutes over $2 trillion last Friday. 15 minutes. There, it's, just impo- it's more impossible today to make a prediction than it's ever been. There's too much information, too many people with their finger on the triggers, and too many funds that have over a billion dollars in assets in them that people are moving money in and out of constantly. Okay. So trying to figure it out now is a lot harder than it's ever been because you've got so many, you have thousands of funds. In fact, for every stock that's available to an institutional investor, do you know that there are at least a hundred funds? A hundred, a hundred funds that could move that stock anywhere they want it. That is mind boggling. Peter Lynch wrote, read that book I was talking about earlier in today's show. He was the first fund that got above a billion dollars. Now there are over 4,000 at my last count. 4,000. You know how many stocks there are that they can invest in? 3,200. <laughs> I heard a statistic uh, that about 20 or 30 years ago, there was about 10,000 listed stocks yeah. you could buy. Yep. And then now, because of consolidation and private equity, there's only 3,000. Well, there are only 3,000 big enough that a mutual fund can't invest in anything below $500 million anymore. So uh, anything below that, they, they just have to wait for. So, hey, i got to take a real quick commercial break. But uh, thanks for calling, Herman. I, I really appreciate it. And I hope I talk to you again in the future. Listen to Bill Bullington. I'm here on 1420. I'll be right back. Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted. You were condemned, and I'm alive and well. And we're back. You're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here with Ben Ehrman today, and I 
invited him in because he does a very important thing with his life. His uh, Actually, his company is called Ehrman Financial Freedom, and you can find them at ehrmanfinancialfreedom.com. And Ben is a financial coach, uh, and he specializes in budgeting. Uh, I've always contended that there are two things that you need to do to be successful financially. First is you have to live beneath your means, not within your means. You got to live beneath your means because living beneath your means means that you have money that you can put away and invest. So you got to be able to do that. And that's a very important thing to do. Then you have to be a pretty good investor or, or, or better than average, which is not that difficult, by the way, because if you go to Dalbar, that's a, the company that does the research on how invest, individual investors do, the individual investor is not that hard to beat. <laughs> so the average individual investor. So anyway, Ben, thanks for uh, coming today on the, on the show. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No problem. And uh, so I guess uh, I'm going to ask you a couple questions here, and we got to get to a couple phone calls. We'll we'll kind of go back and forth. But I, what do you think uh, just overall is the biggest challenge for most people when they start uh, looking at their personal finances? Yeah, I mean, anytime I start off with somebody, it's it's always the budget. You know, you have to have visibility of your money to be successful with it. You know, if anything in business and life, you, you have to have a plan to be successful. And budgeting is your plan for money. So if you have visibility with your money, if you have eyes on every dollar, you can be successful. But if you're just kind of spending and just kind of know that there's this back end money that's kind of there, it might be there, it might be not, you know, that, then, you, you know, it, it can, anything can happen. So right. budgeting is the core. Yes, exactly. By the way, you went through the uh, Dave Ramsey coaching. Yep. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So Dave Ramsey, if you're not familiar with Dave Ramsey, his, his program has been around for about 30 years now. So he has helped millions and millions of people gain what he calls financial peace. And that that's his class, financial peace. And so all, everything I've studied, all the research I've done comes, you know, the majority of it has come from him. And the great thing with him is he's worked with millions and millions of people. If anybody has data on what makes people successful on their day-to-day finances, it's him. Because I don't think there's anyone that's been out there doing it and has studied, studied as much as he has as over the yeah. last 30 right. years to see what makes people successful. And the core, again, is budgeting. Right. I'm going to actually have to take a couple calls here. Uh, we will come back to this in just a second. And I'm going to go to Steve. Steve, thanks for being patient. You're on the Bullington Capital Report. Hey, Bill, I'm on speaker. Is that okay? Uh, it seems okay. We're not getting any okay. feedback. so. Okay. First of all, a great show. I've been a long-time listener. Uh, this is, um, my question is, I have a very um, high-quality bond fund. I'm probably about 55 stocks, 45 bonds, somewhere around there. I'm okay. almost ready to retire. All right. Sounds so, good. Question, though, question, though, is I saw, like, even high-quality bond funds, mine were going down, mm-hmm. okay? Not not a lot, but I would think that with the, the, the switch to safety out of stocks and the the um, interest rate going down, I would have thought those would have held their ground. I'll, that, I'll listen to your answer. I am so glad that you brought that up because that's the same, you know, everybody saw the same thing. Now, they're not down a lot. Actually, most of them have come back over the past few days, but there was sheer panic. That's how you know 
that the market is really panicking and it's totally illogical. When you have high quality bonds that are down 10 or 15 percent, that's just, uh, that's amazing. Now they didn't stay down that much. I'm even looking, I'm looking at the aggregate bond index from peak to trough uh, over a three day, it looks like a five day time period was about 14 percent. But if you go from peak to trough today, it bounced way back up. It's still down about 5%. That's a bond fund that's got an average maturity of about seven years. So it's a little longer than the the bond funds that I'm holding. So it'll be a little bit more volatile depending on what that is. But that should never happen. (laughs) And just because it's not supposed to happen doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. You know, and, but it, to me, what it tells me is that people are really afraid. I mean, they're just scared. And they're pulling out of everything. Now, when they pull out of everything, what they're doing is they're putting money into either a savings account or a money market account. My question to you is, where do you think that money is going to go? Is it going to stay there, earning zero percent interest? You think I, you know, I don't, I don't know what what other people are going to do. I, I'm back into buying stocks though, because now it, it's like having a, a sale at Walmart. Yes. Yep. Yep. My favorite yeah. sales store. And, let, let me let you go, Bill, but if, if more people would listen to you, okay, and, and other um, educated in, uh, investment advisors, this this country would be in much better shape because all they do, they just go to Walmart to spend. And I'll let you go. Listen, you have a nice weekend. Thanks, you thanks too. for everything. Oh, no, no problem. Thanks for calling, and thanks for being a listener. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to go to Dan. You've been waiting patiently. Thank you very much. Yeah, good yeah, good morning, Bill. Hey, Bill, did I hear you earlier say that you're buying into the market right now? Yes. Well, personally, I can't do that for clients yet. Here's what I'm waiting for, Dan. Oh, when well, you know that I look we were, for a, um, whatchamacallit? Um, 50-50 on stocks going up and yeah. stocks in the decline. So you're waiting, you're waiting for that. That's why I was wondering, are you not buying into a, uh, trying to catch a falling ice? But you're doing that on a personal basis. Oh, and I've already been cut. <laughs> I am, I, I am catching the falling knife, and I've already been cut. <laughs> Fortunately, it missed my heart. <laughs> well, that's good. That's a, yeah. that's a plus. That's so, a, that's a plus. But I, personally, I, I, I would rather be a little bit early than rather being a little bit late. It it really damages my psyche when I see the market go up ten percent in fifteen minutes. That does more damage to me than buying it and watching it drop 10% at 15. <laughs> it's just how I'm wired. And I get it. I'm different than most. And you already know that because you know me very well. But the, uh, yeah. but the average person out there, I think if you're waiting right now, this, the number of stocks that are above a $500 million market value that are actually in a, an upward downtrend right now, is one-tenth, actually not even one-tenth, of the number of stocks that are in a short-term downward trend. So the uptrends are losing. At some point in time, I'm going to go in when that number reverses, okay, when, or at least when they're, uh, uh, yeah, when that number reverses, when there are more companies in a short-term upward trend, I'm probably going to hit the rebalance button. And it's not probably I am. I'm telling you that that's what I'm doing. And you won't be able to talk to me or Gary for three or four days, 
because it's going to take us that long. And we may be early. The market may continue to drop. It's just that when the tides start to shift, oftentimes that little methodology, that actually I got the idea from that book, The Technical Market Indicators, uh, it was very similar to one of the models that they had in there. And uh, it, it will typically happen somewhere within 5 or 10% of the ultimate bottom, but there's no guarantees on any of this stuff. I just know that valuations right now are incredibly low and that uh, once the tide starts to shift, and I don't know when that's going to be, I have no idea. Uh, I just know I'll be, I'll be ready to respond. Okay, I was just wondering what the difference was. Thanks for the clarification and have a good day. Hey, thanks. You too, Dan. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing. We, you know, we've never really seen anything like this. I, I get it. You know, actually they have seen something like this before it was called a depression. Uh, they closed the stock market down several times during the depression. Uh, wouldn't let anybody trade. They closed it down during World War II. Uh, I think they should, I would love it if they would do that now. I really would. Um, because uh, people are, you know, acting irrationally. One of the, uh, government's roles is to be a referee. Uh, and uh, try to keep a handle on that sort of thing, I think. Maybe not. I don't know. I guess it depends on your opinion of the government. But realistically, you know, this is a uh, um, this is not a good thing to let people run amok. I just don't think is is good at all. And if uh, Ben Ehrman's talking to him, he's going to be talking to you about your budgets. Yeah, uh, he's going to tell you, you know, what you need to do: take a deep breath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get a hold of the data. Start looking at the data and uh, do a little analysis. And uh, so how does somebody get started with you if they wanted to learn more about what what you're doing? Yeah, you can go to ermanfinancialfreedom.com. It talks a little bit about like what we do. You know, you can book an appointment there, but it talks about what we do. You know, the three main core things are budgeting, getting out of debt, becoming debt free, and then really planning for the future. You know, whatever kind of purchases you might be making, saving for retirement, saving for um, college funds for kids, things like that. So, yeah, ermanfinancialfreedom.com and uh, all the information's there. Yeah, and I'll say what I find really, really beneficial here. When you do the budget, and I know you guys focus pretty heavily on the emergency fund, you know, mm-hmm. making sure you have an emergency yeah. fund, that's incredibly important. Yeah. One of the things that, that I do is I typically hold in, in the average client's account we have enough money in short-term bonds, short-term government bonds, which, by the way, have, have barely budged. We have enough that if you were taking out 5% a year, you could go for five or six years without having to touch your stocks. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a really big deal. Wow. And that's, a, uh, that's one of the reasons that we're as successful as we're I, You know what? I feel so bad. I, I wanted to give you more time today. We'll get you back on pretty quickly yeah. the, uh, to have you but. Ben Ehrman, ermanfinancialfreedom.com. Go check it out. It's a great site. Uh, he's a nice guy. You can hear it in his voice. Yeah, and thanks for listening, everybody. This is Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420. Have a good week, good investing, and good luck. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com.
The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.